0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Hi, my name is uh, Rodney and I serve as the location pastor at Stateville Correctional Center. Um, One of the things that I love about High Point is High Point is a church of vision and mission. Uh, One of the things that really endeared me to High Point is they desire to go after the lost. We've been in a series called Life Verses, and we have been challenging people uh, to find a verse that actually means something to them in the season that they're going through. One of my life verses is found in Galatians 2.20, which says that I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Uh, This verse obviously means so much to me uh, because it was back in 1989 um, after being apprehended uh, by the police that God began to convict me about my life and my lifestyle. And it was at that point that I accepted Jesus into my life. I I was convicted uh, by the Holy Spirit about my life and my lifestyle, and I knew um, that I needed to change. I knew I needed a change in my life, and Jesus was the only one who can do it Galatians 2:20 is my life verse What is your life verse
1: You thought this celebration was over it is just getting ready to get started are you with me Top 10 reasons why I believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ Reason number 10 is this, that without the resurrection, then who rolled away the stone? Reason number nine, if there was no resurrection, then why were the guards bribed? You tell me. I mean, what was the deal? Why were we bribing those guys? What was happening? Well, number eight, are you with me? Without the resurrection, who overpowered those guards? Who did it? I mean, who freed it up? Who did all the work without the resurrection? Number seven, who is it exactly that appeared to all the apostles? You tell me. I mean, how were they full? What could it possibly have been? Hey, number six, if there was no resurrection, then who empowered each of these apostles to heal people? The Bible says that when they walked by, that you just touched their garments and you saw them. And that healing began. Hey, if there was no resurrection, then why did the apostles all give their lives? Why did they die as martyrs? Why would they die for a lie? Why would they do such a thing without the resurrection? If there was none, then how were all 500 people who Jesus was resurrected and appeared to, how were they convinced to lie? A couple more reasons. Are you with me? Third reason is this if there was no resurrection, who appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus without the resurrection? Number two reason, if there was no resurrection, who changed Rodney's life? Can we give it up to Rodney, our location pastor? I mean, who did it? Who's taking the credit for that? And without the resurrection. Number one reason is simply this. If there was no resurrection, then who is it exactly that meets with us here every single Sunday? I don't think I need to convince the home crowd. And by your response, I I believe that there was a resurrection. And today what I want to do, and maybe you're not convinced, and maybe you're wondering what is up with all the excitement Maybe you're wondering what's up with those white outfits and how come nobody told me? (laughs) Wherever you're at, I want to give you three benefits of the resurrection. I don't want to look at it as simplistically as what's in it for me. But maybe you're not convinced. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're figuring this out for yourself. And I'm just telling you, I believe that there's some benefits because of the resurrection that are available to you and I And for those who are cheering, I'm telling you, we're enjoying some of them. I want you to enjoy more. I want you to get the fullness of the resurrection power. And for those who don't have it, man, we want you to experience it. We want you to feel it. We want you to see that God wants to do something in you. So the benefits are simply this. I'll summarize the message in one sentence today. That the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ with the resurrection, that it does this. It frees us from our old life. It does this, it gives us a new life, and it allows me, me and you, to live our best lives. Anybody want to live the best? I mean, why are we settling for second best? Why are we settling for not what God wants? I'm not talking 2.0 version, 3.4 point, your very best. That's what this day represents. And so I couldn't say it any better than the apostle Paul said it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And he said it, Rodney quoted the verse for us. Let's take a look at it at a variety of different translations because that's what really gives us what we need to experience these benefits. So let's look at it first in the amplified version. I thought this was interesting. I have been crucified with Christ. That is, in him, I've shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Here's the message. This is a translation that I've been reading recently in my own time with God this year. He writes, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. Isn't that some good truth? He writes, it is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living, it's not mine, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then the version that I usually read from, the English Standard Version. It says it just like this, and this is what Rodney quoted. But let's take a look at each of those phrases to drill down on the benefits so that we, you and I, we can achieve the fullness of what God wants to live in this life, not just about the next. That's the big full thing that many Christians, many people, it starts now, the power. It's not all about later, it's about today and right now that God wants you to live your best life. So let's start with the first phrase that, what does erection do? It frees me. See, there's some things that have a grip on me There's some things in my past. There's some things that I want to keep in the rear view mirror that are in the rear view mirror. Anyone with me? There's some things that I want them tucked away and locked in the closet of my past. And I don't want them coming out again. But that's what the resurrection did. And that's why Jesus revealed to Paul an interesting statement. And he said, I was crucified with Christ. Think about what Paul's saying. Now, he's not saying for clarity, the abundance of clarity. He's not saying I was there hanging on a cross next to Jesus. He's not saying that. But what he's saying is simply this. And it's of extreme importance to you and I today. What he's saying was true for Paul. It needs to be true for us that because Jesus died, some things are going to die in me. Oh, I'm not sure if we heard me right. Because Jesus died, There's some stuff that's got to be put to death in me. I don't have the strength to do it. I don't have the power to do it. But because of what happened and because of the power that rose him from the grave, I want to keep the closet of my past locked. I don't want to go in there. I don't want to become that same person that I was. Now, is anybody with me? Better. We'll see how we get. But Paul's not saying I was there, he was saying because of that, some things had to die in me. So that begs the question, what are the things that need to die? Some of you were here on Good Friday. Wherever you were, that's the day that had to happen. Can be no Sunday without a Good Friday. Good for us, bad for him, anybody agree? And so we wrote our sins, if you can believe that, our shortcomings, our failures, our the things we want to be forgiven from. We wrote them on paint sticks, of all things. Anybody remember that? And then we literally broke them as a sign that the power of sin is broken by the grave. And I wanted to jump out of my seat and say, it's the resurrection! That's what gives us the power. But you can't have the resurrection. This is the thing that we stumble on without the crucifixion. And so Christ wants to put some things to death in you. Christ wants to put some things so good to see people up in the balcony to death in you. Christ wants to kill some stuff. He wants to crucify some stuff. You say, boy, this is a fun message to go to church on today. (laughs) Invited the friend. He's talking about killing something in me. What specifically? Well, I'm going to help you out. I've got a list of things that the Bible says that needs to die in your old nature. This is what theologians call the old nature, their old life. So they're going to start scrolling up on the screen and you're going to see these things. These are the things that need to die in us. And so as we see these things on the screen, and I nod, the guys in the production booth are like, we don't want to show those. We've put them to death. We've put those to death already. And so the things that need to die in us is really just our shortcomings in sin. The Bible uses an interesting word, sin. In the Greek, it simply means this. It's like we miss the mark. So imagine a target or imagine the bullseye and we miss the mark of what God wants and his glory. That's the sin. And so that's what happens in each of us. And so God wants to put that to death. You say, well, they're not scrolling on the screen. (laughs) So therefore, I don't know what they are. We'll just tap the person on the shoulder next to you and say, could you identify a few for me, please? Because <laughs> if you're with your kids or you're with your spouse or you're with your friend, I'm telling you, they know and you ain't admitting it. Are you hearing me? They know exactly what it is. And But these are the things that need to go. So why is it that we don't have the victory? We're just not living the best life. And, and so these things that have a hold of us... and how we can sing about the freedom we have, they, they kind of they just trap us and we continue to stumble again. Oh, there they are. You're going to point it out to me like I don't know what mine are? I'm trying to get you to know what yours are. That's what we're trying to do here. So all joking aside, these are the things, man. I mean, these are the things that trip us up. And, and so as we think about this list, why is it? Pardon the illustration, the graphic nature. When I was uh, in high school, I I had a job for the Kirtland road crew. And so my job was to keep the city of Kirtland clean, the roads, so that they would be safe for you to drive on. And so what I used to have to do is I used to go pick up the dead carcasses off the road. Yep, that was the job. And so I would drive up in the truck and I would get my shovel out and I would see a dead squirrel. At times I'd see a dead raccoon. I even saw a few possums, and I would scoop them up and throw them back in the truck, and then we would drive off to Wisner Road, which is the place we dump them. Oh, this is way too much information. (laughs) And, And so let's just imagine, let's just imagine I drove up to that critter, and I saw that dead raccoon, and instead of using the shovel, I just said, I'll just pick him up with my hands. And then I just took him, and I just began to perform CPR on him. I mean, I told you this was gonna be ugly. And I just started breathing new life into that thing. That's what we're doing. As foolish as it sounds, and as ridiculous as it sounds, God has put some things to death in us that you and I are continuing to breathe life into. These are the things that he wants that are dead. That, because Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That is the new life. That's the new life that we have in him. And God grants us a new life as we look to him and embrace the work that he did on the cross. So let's get done with these sins and let's look to the new life and let's close the door and the skeletons in the closet for no more. I love the way the Bible pictures it. The Bible pictures the new life as we get actually a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36 says that God wants to remove the heart of stone that's in you. And he wants to give you a heart of flesh that beats for him. And so he solves the problem that we can't. Another analogy in the scripture, God gives us a new heart, God gives us a new mind, the mind of Christ, that we can think differently, that we can act differently. That is the new life. Hey, I'm not having as much success. Well, that's why we're together in the body of Christ to help each other overcome those difficulties. Anybody with me? That we would partner together and that we would live this new life. Now Paul describes it in this verse in a really unique way. So benefit number two, he talks about the new life and the way he says it is quite unique. He says, it's no longer I who live, so I'm gone, but Christ who lives in me. And we can jump over that, don't jump over it. Now, let me teach you some things. I didn't grow up in the church necessarily, certainly not a church like this, went on Easter and Sunday But I never knew this, that I know now. If you read through the New Testament, that's what the Apostle Paul wrote. He wrote three quarters of it. And what he says, this is how he describes this unique relationship that I'm trying to put words around for you. That he says that we are in Christ. It says in Christ or in him. That's what happens when you become a Christian. That my position changes. That no longer am I on my own, that my position in front of God, I'm declared righteous. God doesn't see me anymore for all the guilt, the shame, the sin. He sees me for the new life that I have in Christ because Christ paid the penalty. So set all that to say this. Paul says, you're in him. You're in Christ, you're in Christ, you're in Christ, you're in Christ, you guys are in Christ. He says it 170 times in the New Testament. How many would say that's a lot? So we must be forgetting this. But we forget about our position. Our position gives us our standing. Our standing gives us our framework. It's like this new extension. I'm liking this extension, they built this for me. I'm feeling a bit like I'm overpowering though it's six foot five and three quarters. So I'll step back. But my position has changed. It's so nice to see. Can you just just stand up for a moment? It's just nice to see somebody else who dresses really nice for church. (laughs) Thanks so much. Love you. Somebody get a picture, please. Come on, let's go. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't have all day here. Okay, very good. So, where was I again? Your position, (laughs) your position changes. But when he says, he says Christ is in you. I mean, just think about this for a moment. Not only am I I in him, he's in me. He's he's in me, seeing all that. He's with me wherever I go. Like with what I did last night. with, With what I did last week. I mean, if I'm honest, what I did on the way to church today when I had to drop those stinking kids off, I mean, they're driving me crazy. He's in you. And so what's the first thing we do when we have guests come over to home? Zappia house, we got a cleaning crew that comes in. It's called Jody and I, and you open up a closet door and you throw all the stuff in. (laughs) Do not open up a closet at the Zappia home at all. And it's time Jody says, well, you're going to finally fix that leaky sink? And so we clean ourselves up. That's not what we do when Christ is living in us. He knows how dirty you are. He knows your thoughts and sinfulness. And by his strength, that's the beauty of the gospel that Paul's trying to communicate is he's in you to do the work that you can't. You can't make yourself better. You can't do the American way and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't do it, man. Please, anybody with me, have you tried doing it on your own? And just return to the same thing. So here, really quickly, it's coming fast. Eight, I hope it's coming. Eight, I'm, I'm, I love you guys, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Eight of the t- all the times where it says that Christ is in you, Paul says it a different number of different ways. We're going to go through this quickly. This is the work he wants to do in you. This is the cleanup crew. Christ is in me to make me holy. That's what he's doing. And we can see that in Romans chapter 8, verse 10. He wants to make us righteous. Second thing is this Christ is in me to reveal God's power. I've said it. I can't say it enough. I can't. Hey, if you didn't clue in and hear anything yet, please hear this. It's because of the resurrection power, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus to the, from the grave is available to raise you to new life. That, that's it. That's the message in a sentence. That's what Easter is all about because you have a different power source that you're plugged into. Let's go over these quickly. The next one is this. God gives me a new purpose. Hey man, it isn't just you about you and you're working at McDonald's flipping burgers and that's what your life about. Oh, it's not you. You got that big promotion and you got the corner office or nobody goes to an office anymore. You have a really nice office in your home <laughs> and your company paid for it. That, that, that's not it. it. It's that God's giving you a purpose. And that's what Paul talks about in Galatians. And let's keep going, that God is in me to reveal his love. There's no person in my position as a leader in a church that has that responsibility, that can communicate. We fail miserably at communicating the depths of God's love for you. I I, I can't do it. I mean, I I think because I'm I'm a dad, I can kind of get it a little better. I got three girls. Oh boy, let's talk about that another time. I got two son-in-laws. I'm learning how to love people I don't like. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just joking. But, But isn't it true? There's no way to communicate the depths of God's love. And if you're like me, you've swam in the deepness of the pool, the pool of God's grace. And so let's keep going. He wants to grow us in maturity. Galatians chapter four. Again, these are Christ in me to do what? To, next one please, he wants to help me love like he loves. Christ in me, he wants to do this. He wants to give hope to others. He wants to to use me to give the hope to the people that he has sovereignly placed in our lives. And so these are the things, again, Christ in me, To do what? To complete what he started. Hey, you know, sometimes I think we get discouraged. Are you with me? Sometimes I think we're like, man, I don't know if I get in all this. And sometimes it's just like, I'm not the person that I want to be and that I know that I can be in him. But I want to tell you today on this Easter, as you drove over here, that God's going to finish that work. He's going to finish the work that he started. And it isn't about you. It's about the resurrection. So this is the complete lift. This is the Christ in me, not just I'm in him. My position has changed for sure. His presence allows me to do all these things. That's the message that we're talking about. But just in case you don't believe in the resurrection, and I know there could be some skeptics. I love that, that you're here. I want to show you. I'm going to play a video. This is a friend of mine. He happened to just go to Israel, and he went to the tomb. And so as this video gets started, my friend went to the tomb, and this is a place you can actually go to, and this is the tomb that you can visit. And so I asked him to film this. Come on, we're not going to play the music? I asked him to film this, and, and I said, film this for us so that we can see. Jody and I have been here before. Do you see what's going on here? What are we looking for? Can somebody tell me what we're looking for in the tomb that Jesus was buried in? Hint, hint, hint. What are we looking for? We're looking for a body. Can I remind you that it's not there? I just showed you. That is the truth of the resurrection that he rose on the third day. You say, I'm not convinced. You know, I remember being in that same place. And I read a great book um, by Lee Strobel. And he claims the claims of the cross. And he talks about the evidence as he interviews historians And they talk about the reality of the cross. I wish I could remember the name of the book, and it's escaping me. The Case for Christ. Thank you for something in the front row. No coffee. Lord help me. Okay, seriously though, Josephus, he is a secular historian, and he was born four years after the resurrection. And so he writes about Jesus. Don't let anybody fool you. Nobody debates whether or not Jesus lived and he was a real person. He was. The question is, did he rise from the grave? And what people will tell you is, well, you've got to look at the historian that was closest to it. We've got a whole book of authors and eyewitnesses. But the people that say, no, thanks. Here's what the secular historian said. Josephus writes, about this time lived Jesus a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man, for he was the achiever of extraordinary deeds and was a teacher of those who accepted the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He goes on to say he was the Messiah. It's a secular historian. He said, when he was indicted by the principal men among us, Pilate condemned him to be crucified. Those who had come to love him originally did not cease to do so, for he appeared to them on the third day restored to life. Let me remind you, secular historian, as the prophets of the deity had foretold these and countless other marvelous things about him, and the tribe of the Christians so named after him has not disappeared to this day. We're here telling the same story because the story has been told since it happened 2,000 years ago. Third reason, best life. I want you to live your best life. That's my heart's desire for each and every person. Those of us joining online, I want you to live your best life. And that's what the gospel, that's what the resurrection guarantees. Look what Paul says though in this wonderful life verse. He gives us the secret to unlocking the key to God's sovereignty, God's provision, God's power, all those things. How do I access? He says it in the verse, by faith. He doesn't say by works. He doesn't say by being a good person. He doesn't say because you're extremely sincere. He he says by faith. And that's how we access the power that faith is believing the word of God and acting on it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. That's the best definition that I can give to you on faith. It's the one that Jody and I learned when we became new Christians at age 27 and 28. And that's the devil. It's it's all by faith. Well, what's faith? Well, faith is believing the word of God and, and then doing what it says, even though I don't feel like it. Man, everybody loves coming on Easter, don't they? Isn't it awesome? I mean, can I just be real honest? I don't always like coming to church. I mean, I like to take a couple weeks off. I actually didn't mind COVID. It was kind of (laughs) nice. But can I be honest with you? I wish more preachers would just be honest. you know, There's some things in here that I don't feel like doing. But I'm called to do them because I do them by faith. And so by faith, I will be here next weekend, as the Bible says, together with the saints. What about you? That was a joke. (laughs) But I'm going to wake up, I don't feel like going, and... Yeah, none none of those people are coming back so it's okay (laughs) is it what I said or is it the message or is it because they can access me on TV now Oh, I'm just kidding in some way and this isn't a slam at all but it's by faith that we do the things we don't feel like doing I don't know about you but I've been betrayed of you I've been hurt by a friend I know you have but it's by faith that we are called to forgive. And God, by faith, is asking some of you, through the resurrection power, to start something by faith. Right now, that you would start something by faith. God's calling some of us to stop something by faith. God's calling others of us to finish something, not in our own strength, by faith. By faith in his goodness, by faith in his power, by faith in the community of Christians that he's placed around you. God's calling you to be the best version of yourself by faith it's just you got to believe it to be true and god you don't will it into purpose but he does because the scripture says he wants to complete the good work that he started in you it's a guarantee by faith but it all starts with this it all starts with the first step of faith And so the first step of faith is really important. And so everybody loves Jenga, don't we? I love Jenga. My kids love Jenga. I took this out of their closet. But imagine with me for a moment that this Jenga game represented the totality of the truths of Christianity. And each one of these blocks, they represent a truth, a truth about the Christian faith. And I'm here to tell you that there's some blocks that they're not as important and as essential as every block. They're just not. Let's just take these two, for instance, up here. These are the dietary restrictions. I kind of like this. I kind of like bacon, don't you, and some seafood. Thankful those aren't in here anymore. And, but, but there's some truth. Don't keep those, I need those for the next service. <laughs> there, there, there's, some tr- there's some truth, though there's some things that, that we can choose not to do by faith. And, you know, I mean, well, let's just take some of the miracles. Let's just say this represents Jesus turning water into wine. Let's keep that one. But what happens if we do this? What happens if there's some truth that we take out and it's not going to change it, but I would suggest to you that these three truths right here represent the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And if those three blocks represent the death, the burial, and the resurrection, then what's going to happen if you pull those out? You you all know what's going to happen. There's nothing else to stand on. So the first decision by faith is that you've got to believe in the resurrection because if you don't believe in the resurrection, the resurrection, the whole of Christianity, it's all hinged on this. Without these three blocks, we have nothing. We got nothing without this. We 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 have literally nothing to stand on. I mean, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Paul says it like this in First Corinthians fifteen. He says that without it, we're stuck in our sins. He says without these three blocks, that what that that we are the to most to be pitied. He says that our faith is in vain. It's all about the resurrection. Everything hinges on the resurrection. And by faith, we need to choose to believe. And when we choose to believe in the resurrection, we're freed from the old life so that we could enter the new life and that we could take a step forward and enjoy our best life. We're not done. Here's a story of a person who's stepped into their best life And they want to challenge you to do the same you're going to have here's some stories of a couple baptisms these are people that are stepping into their best life they're not perfect they're not all but figured out but they've made a decision of faith take a look at the screen with me
2: hi my name is nick and uh just to share a little bit about myself my testimony uh i grew up in inner city chicago Uh, my mom was an alcoholic until i was 13 my dad was in jail till I was nine, uh, so I kind of had a rough start uh, growing up. Uh, because of the environment that I was in, I grew up around gangs and uh, did a lot of gang activity things. Uh, when I was 14, I went to jail for stabbing somebody and was uh, looking at some significant time. Uh, and I remember at that time being in that jail cell, uh, thinking, what is going on? Uh, this is not how I planned my life. This is not where I wanted to be. And uh, really just kind of feeling the weight of the decisions that I had made. Um, on January thirteenth, two 2005, I got out on bail, and uh, my cousins had invited me to church, and uh, when I went to church, I heard the pastor there speaking on Ephesians, and he talked about how we were once dead in our sins and our trespasses, but we can call the name of the Lord, and we can be saved. And uh, that's what happened that day for me. I called the name of the Lord, and God graciously saved me, and uh, right after that, it was just like Paul on the road to Damascus, from darkness to light. I wanted nothing to do with my old life, and I wanted everything to do with Jesus and the Bible. And, uh, just, I just immersed myself in the church. Uh, I did everything you could do in the church. Uh, I did that till about 22. And then, uh, I made a mistake and I got my girlfriend pregnant. Um, when that happened, uh, I just was kind of overcome with shame and guilt and we kind of just left the church for a little bit. Um, that relationship didn't end up working out, but I got into another relationship with a girl I met in college. Uh, we were together for just a little over four years and, uh, we did everything that you could do as a family. We got a house in the suburbs. Uh, we added to our family. We had a, we got a son. Um, you know, we graduated college together, had good jobs. And, uh, I was just, we did everything in our life. Uh, we just did it without God. And, um, I just was still at that point living selfishly. I was living for me. Uh, I wasn't making good decisions and good choices. And, uh, she kind of got fed up with it around last September, and um, we broke up, and then uh, I moved out, got my own place, and I remember uh, at that time, I had a six-year-old daughter, and uh, she was crying one night, and I went into her room, and I said, uh, Aubrey, why are you crying? And uh, she had told me that, um, she asked me, Dad, is God mad at us? And I said, why would you, why would you ask that question? And uh, she said, because he took away my stepmom, and my stepsister, so what, what did I do? And uh, I remember all over again, just like when I was in that jail cell at 14, just the weight of my decisions coming down on me. And I knew that at that point I, I kind of had to, I wanted to get healed. I wanted to hear about Jesus. And my um, exes, uh, my ex-girlfriend's sister had told me about High Point. So I started coming in October. And, um, really, I mean, this church has helped change my life. Jesus helped change my life through this church. And it was just amazing. Um, I had heard the gospel preached and I ended up going to hope group and, uh, really kind of just walk through the healing and the redemption process. And, um, the church has just been a huge blessing to me and my family. And, you know, um, I, it hasn't always been easy, but Jesus has always been there. And even though I've let go of God, he's never let go of me. And uh, this church has just been a great reminder of that. And um, what I would say for, for me uh, in First Peter chapter three fifteen says to always have a reason for your hope. And uh, why do you have the hope that you have in your salvation? And I would say for this to me, um, all the emotions that we feel, love, laughter, joy, uh, all those emotions that we have, God had intended us to feel those with him, to be with him in perfect fellowship. Uh, in the garden, Adam and Eve had that. They had that perfect fellowship with God, but they believed the lie of the enemy that said uh, "If you God doesn't want you to eat the fruit because then you'll be like him. And then instead of enjoying perfect fellowship with God, they decided to eat the fruit because they wanted to be like him. They traded it. They traded the fellowship of God so that they can try and be like God. And God, in his justice at that moment, could have wiped us out and would have been fully justified in wiping us out. But instead... Uh, chose a plan of redemption. He chose to send his son to die for our sins. And that's like you dying for ants to save ants. It makes no sense, but God did it because he's love. The Bible says that he's love. And uh, Jesus came down, lived a perfect life, never did anything wrong. And instead of enjoying fellowship with God, we killed him and then we killed him. Three days later, he rose again, defeating death, conquering the grave and giving us hope. That is why I have hope. And that is what this church has taught me. That is what this church has been to me. Uh, just a place where you can hear the gospel preached, where you can hear hope. And uh, if you're in this room today, uh, Ephesians says that you were predestined in love. First uh, Peter chapter one says, by the foreknowledge of God, you have been placed to where you are. And God wants you to hear this message of hope. God wants you to be in union with him. And that's why Jesus came. And that is the hope that he offers. If you've been living your life and you feel the weight of your sins, like I felt the weight of mine, just no better day than just today, just to give that over to Jesus, because the Bible says that he gives rest to the weary.